Welcome to the Human and Technology Podcast. This podcast is for anyone who develops, distributes or uses technology. For all those who always have the feeling that technology overwhelms or dominates them. For everyone who wants to know how to deal with technology in everyday life. For anyone who wants to understand what technology does to us and how we can get our lives back. This podcast is for those who want to make technology sexy. All the product developers, designers, UX, UI professionals, product managers, CTOs and CEOs. And it is for you. My name is Dr. Peter Reska. My friends call me Dr. Peter. I am your host and I am happy that you are here. When I started my own business, when I became an entrepreneur, I started thinking about what the meaning is of what I do. What, what, uh, just like the big five in life or the meaning of existence. And I thought about what, what is my life purpose? What, what, why am I here? What am I doing? And I took some time and I found out, yes, it is adding value to technologies. This is this is the idea that drives me, that makes me stand up every morning. And technology needs to make human lives better in what way ever. It can be more focused, it can be safer, it can be faster, can be just funnier, but technology needs to do something to make human lives better. And if, if it does not, there is no value in technology. And then it is, maybe maybe it is art, technology without value, but uh, at the end of the day, it's just junk or crap. And the question of, or the questions of value in technology is, I mean, we're investing Enormous amounts of resources like raw materials, energy, thoughts, time, money. And the question is, one question is, is it really worth putting all this into, into the technology? Are we really making human lives better with a solution, with a system, with a product or with a service? Are we making the world a better place? And we experience over and over again that uh, technology deceives and disappoints us, although or because it delivers. And with my activities, I basically have uh, two audience groups. The vast majority um, that I target with my consulting activities, with my reports, uh, with my uh, presentations, my workshops. Those are the, the professionals, the developers, the persons, the guys and the girls that de think about technology, that create technology, that uh, turn it into reality and at the very end bring it, bring it to the market. And for those I try to find a balance between human and technology, meaning shaping technology to deliver the best value. How, how can we do that? 
what are the features, what's the right packaging, what is the right design, how, how can we deliver the best possible value. And that means balancing the benefits of technology with the price we pay for it. As I said, all the money, the time, the thoughts, the resources we put into it. At the end of the day, it's searching the optimum for, for the overall system of technology, humans, and society. I want to show in this part of my business technicians, developers, managers, product managers, salespeople, ways to design products in a way that they make sense, that they create value, and they make the lives of users better. Another far smaller part of my business is, let's say, for everyone, every Joe and Jane out there, that is the discovering and communication of the so-called Janus face nature of technology, meaning the ambiguity, the double meaning of technology. It is neither good nor bad. It is having both aspects, aspects in it. And helping people to find their way out of the technology dominance. So look around you. There is tons of technology around you. You will have your smartphone either in your pocket or close to you. You may have a stereo equipment uh, where you listen to this podcast or you're sitting in a car uh, while you listen to me. Um, you have your smart home uh, devices. So you, you're having tons of technology around you and we're dominated by this, but all the algorithms by all this uh, hidden artificial intelligence by all the bubbles that are created by big tech by the big companies out of the silicon valley that dominate our lives and i want to point the users to the to the pitfalls the potential for addiction to technologies the dangers of technologies and I want to show ways to regain control, to fight, um, to, to allow them alive, dealing with technology as being the boss, as being the chief, as being the one that is in control in the driver's seat. And out of these two directions, um, yeah, I will discuss in this podcast the pros and cons of a, a couple of technologies that I have identified. And um, yeah, so, so if, we, if we think about the properties of technology, what is technology really doing? It, it reinforces the facets of our character. It is like, a, like an echo chamber. So if you are a communicating, a communicative person, then your communication will go through the roof. If you are a non-communicating person, technology will help you to uh, lower your communication even more. It, it multiplies our strengths and our weaknesses. And sometimes it makes us and our actions appear oversized and overpowering. 50 or 100 years ago, um, if you were a little crazy, if you had some, some, some strange ideas, 
You maybe would have told them to your friends or to your your barkeeper um, or to to your beer. You know, um, you, there was a very small, very very small range of uh, or very small number of people you could have talked them to. Today, even the most strange ideas, the craziest way of seeing things, seeing things gets an echo chamber in the internet. And you, you yourself, with all the likes and the loves you get out of communities from, from humans you have never ever met before in your life, that makes you feel really, really oversized and, and strong and powerful. And, and I, I think that that is one of the reasons why the uh, social media very often is anti-social media, because all of these super strange persons that never had an audience in the past suddenly have an audience. And if it's only all the super crazy people of the world uh, that are the audience for all the other super crazy people in the world with the super strange ideas. Um, yeah, I mean, this this is what, what technology really does. And this is what, what it makes so addictive to many people. And that's why they deliver their, their souls and their data and their uh, minds to, to the algorithms in the internet. So, to summarize um, this introductionary part, technology as such is more or less value-free. It is neither good or bad. So, with my professional approach, I want to make technology, I want to turn it more or less into the good side. I want to make products based on technology that have a real value. But still, with all of that, you can make a lot of nonsense, even with a well-designed smartphone app or a well-designed automotive HMI, you can still do bad things. And of course, there are technologies that uh, make it easier for me to believe in the good side that they have. And others, um, I have a feeling that there is not too much positive aspects in this. All right. Um, Let's talk a bit about positive and negative sides of technology. The first thing I'd like to, to analyze is the COVID, the Corona, the uh, SARS-CoV, uh, uh, <coughs> sorry, SARS-CoV uh, pandemic that we had, or still have. The technology has contributed to spreading the virus. So wherever it really came alive wherever it really jumped over to a human probably it was a wet market in Wuhan China maybe not but doesn't matter it, it popped up first uh, into our awareness uh, in, in China and the first German cases we had here uh, was in an automotive supplier and employees from China They got infected in China, traveled to Germany with an aircraft, with technology, and they brought the virus into, into uh, Germany. And if we did not have these aircrafts, we did not have this rapid spreading of the virus all over the globe. And if we did not have cars, we would not have automotive suppliers, and these guys may not have traveled from China to Germany. And... I mean, if it had not been this scenario, um, there would have been another one. I don't want to blame anyone in particular. Just to show you that technology helped to spread the virus in an enormous speed all around the globe. 
On the other side, technology in general has contributed to the development of tests and vaccines. So the scientists, they used computers, um, data storages, maybe some artificial intelligence algorithms to analyze data. They exchanged using the internet. So they, they had this communication between scientists and um, all this data collection, data processing, and, and the exchange of data, all that was only possible with technology. And I mean, this is all about science. None of us, none of these science, none of these doctors and, and uh, physicists, physicists and, and, and chemists would have ever been able to do this alone. Today, scientists need a constant exchange And again, here on a global basis, on, on a global scale, to get to the results. And we have been very fast in developing uh, COVID tests and COVID uh, vaccines. So, question here is, technology good or bad? It helped to spread the virus, but it also helped to find, to develop the right countermeasures. One example that is a little more my professional area, that is cars. Um, in general, mobility devices, cars and trucks and vans. And If you are going to an inner city area, you will find out there's cars everywhere. Wherever you go, they are parking there, they are driving there, they are occupying Our inner cities, we have traffic jams, we have cars driving around searching for a parking place and they take up space, they take up resources, they take up even our cognitive resources because they're everywhere. And I mean, just a footnote, you have to realize that uh, most of the cars that we have out there, they just stand around 95% of their lifetime. They're used for 5% of their existence in the way they were supposed to use to drive around. And the rest of the time, they have just to be there, occupy space, occupy our environment. Also, they're polluting the environment, they're making noise, and yeah, we, we focus very much on them. They're occupying our cognitive, our mental resources, even of those who do not drive. And if you ever happen to, to experience a road that is usually packed with traffic, without traffic, then you will find out how much lighter, freer and more relaxed life can be. So I had this example in, in Berlin around the uh, Charlottenburg Castle, which is usually packed with traffic, it is noisy, It is all occupied by cars and it is pretty dangerous to walk or drive there. And then they closed a bridge because they had to repair the bridge. And the entire area around uh, Charlottenburg Castle suddenly was free uh, of, of uh, car traffic. And it was a totally different feeling. When I was driving there with my bicycle, I thought, hey, this is such a good, possible, free, relaxed, light feeling that I'm having here, opposed to the pressure that traffic and cars put on me when they drive there. And as the mobility activist Katja Diel said 
in the German version of a podcast, if you're in a car, you're not a social being. Which targeted exactly against that. You drive around in a car and you feel good. You have your space. You have your capsule around you. You're safe. But others uh, pay the price for that. Because uh, you produce noise. You produce a presence. You produce danger as a car driver. So definitely there are many negative aspects of cars. On the other hand... There are tons of positive um, examples of what you can do with a car. I mean, first of all, they enable flexible mobility. If I make the decision um, after recording this podcast, I want to drive to my second home in Berlin. I enter the car, I drive six hours and I will be there. This will not be provided by any aircraft or by, by any, any train or any other mode of mobility. Only the car can give me this range, it can give me this speed, can give me this enormous flexibility. Cars are all about creating experiences, the experience landscapes, to, to create positive experiences. And I love to tell a story when uh, I was on a honeymoon a few years ago and my wife was driving over the Golden Gate Bridge uh, with our Jeep Wrangler and She still has this, this this sparkling in her eyes when when she talks about this experience, and this wouldn't have been possible without a car. Another more practical aspect. I mean, I, I had a discussion on LinkedIn lately when I said, "Hey, shared mobility um, is is not working on the level it is supposed to work. It is not really good." And then some people popped up said, "Yeah, I'm using shared cars only." And this one lady that, that wrote this, I mean, she lives downtown Berlin and all her activities are within downtown Berlin. And then, of course, it is easy to say, I don't need a car. Yeah, I, I take public transport and I take shared cars, car sharing or mobility, and I'm super fine with it. It works. It works. Of course, it works in downtown Berlin and it works in other downtown areas whether it's San Francisco or, or Shanghai or wherever, it will work. But it does not work in rural areas. I mean, we, we are not having a shared car sharing service anymore here in Böblingen in Swabia, which is a mid-sized Swabian city, 40,000, 50,000 people living here. We are not having this. It was here, there was a company, and they withdrew from this area. So again... Um, if you're not living in this downtown area, uh, then uh, you, you have a problem with uh, not owning a car. Another footnote, um, in this discussion with that lady that, that lives downtown Berlin and uses shared transport, one of these transport uh, providers jumped in and said, hey, how can you say it doesn't work? It's excellent, it's brilliant, and we have a super good service. Yes, guys, you have a super good service in... Downtown Berlin, downtown Hamburg, downtown Cologne, downtown Munich, in downtown areas. But you will not have this in rural areas. We need cars, vans, trucks to transport goods. So if we go to a supermarket, if we go to shops, the shelves are full of all the products 
that we love to buy, that we love to use, that we love to eat. And somebody needs to bring them there. And they, I mean, they are not growing on the supermarket shelf. They need to pre-transport it there. So for this, we definitely need um, transportation vehicles. Whether we have the right ones today or not is another question, but we will need at least uh, vans or trucks to transport it. And then we have the area of rescue services, of fire brigades, policemen, doctors. Um, they all can they all provide their service based on cars on on uh, yeah on, on based on cars so that they can uh be flexible that they can be fast wherever they need to be so these are the positive aspects of cars and, and the question remains is the car itself a technology that is good or bad not a clear answer here another one um Smartphones. Smartphones is also a good example. So smartphones are addictive. We all know this. There are camps in South Korea for young people that are smartphone addicted. Uh, the World Health Organization has defined um, smartphone addictiveness as a serious disease. So it is there. And there is a German neurologist called Manfred Spitzner. And I'm not following all of his thesis, but the basic idea that smartphones occupy our lives and that they change particularly the neural networks of young persons who grew up with it. They're heavily shaped by this. And the, the, the smartphone, this device, this technology device, occupies enormous amounts of the cognitive resources of these users and I mean we all know this we, we check all the different channels so we, we start with email on the smartphone then we check the messengers then we go to social media and then we go to the news and then if we have the feeling internet is empty I've seen everything either we start from the beginning over and over again or we play a stupid game uh, where colorful candies are moved around on the screen so we cannot put this away. And I mean, if it beeps, if it rings, uh, we are turning our attention 100% towards the smartphone immediately. Well, And smartphones prevent real human, human-to-human -human communication. If you look around in a restaurant or a bar, you very often see two, three, four people sitting at a table and all of them are playing on their smartphone. They are tapping on, on the screens, not talking to, to each other. And last time I was in Las Vegas for the CES in, in January, um, we were traveling in a small group uh, with a couple of my business partners. And when we had these fancy, expensive uh, dinners there at Las Vegas, we decided to mute our smartphones and put them on the screen side onto the table. And we said, okay, the first one grabbing for his smartphone will pay the bill. And that worked in a super smooth way. We had great evenings. We exchanged, we talked, we loved, we had, we were really human beings and we were totally present at this table. And so, um, yeah, that, that is that is that is one thing showing you. If if you have a smartphone, then um, you're you're fully occupied uh, by by this one. 
On the other hand, there are many positive aspects. One thing, for example, is that you can make emergency calls. Wherever you are, whatever happens, you can make an emergency call. You can get help when, when you really need it. You can get uh, maps. I mean, I can still read paper maps, but I, I really like all these mapping navigation apps that you have there to orient myself in areas where I, I'm not too familiar. So, yeah, it's, it's a good thing. Um, you can move around, particularly if you drive with your car. We have the car thing, negative thing, people are driving around with their car. Um, but if you have a map taking you right to your destination, you drive shorter distances, you arrive faster. So uh, you can create a lot of value out of these maps. You can communicate with the people that are far away from you like your loved ones and when I'm, when I'm on the road when when I'm traveling I can uh, yeah still get in contact with my wife and my kids and um, saying hey yeah cool and um, everything okay you can talk and so it makes easy it makes it easy to to communicate another example is in my second home Mallorca um, I have a couple of friends people I know And they said, okay, uh, join Facebook and um, you will you will read uh, what, what's going on here. Who is having what with whom and which restaurants open and uh, which bar is closing. And that was the main reason why I joined Facebook a couple of years ago. To be updated, to, to, to know what's going on there in, in, in Mallorca. You can access information on um, sites, on, on restaurants. So when, when I travel and I have an overnight stay in a city I don't know, I take my smartphone and say, okay, where is the best bar around me? Where is a beautiful burger restaurant? Where is a nice Italian place around me? And then um, I can find it out. I can read all the commands. I know how much fake is in there and I know how much is. But basically... You get your information, you know where is what and, and um, how to get there. You can walk and, and, and yeah, so you have this information available. You have tons of useful services like online bookings, like train tickets, public transport tickets. I, I think I haven't used a printed public transport ticket for two or three years. I have my apps. I have an app here for the Stuttgart area. I have an app for the Berlin area. And I can, can purchase these tickets and I have them on my smartphone. And when they get invalid, then um, they just disappear. I don't have a piece of paper that I have to throw away. And um, yeah, and, and I book my, my train tickets um, over this. I can do most of my banking activities with a smartphone. So it makes it easy, fast and flexible to get access to all these services. And you can access culture. You can listen to music on streaming services. You can read with ebook readers or apps uh, literature. Um, you can find out where is good museums and, and exhibitions. You can even visit them sometimes with an app. And this. so, I mean, there are millions of positive aspects of smartphones. You have the negative ones, particularly the addictiveness and and the occupation of your mind, but also tons of services and things that are really valuable and that help you to focus your life and, and to make best out of your life. So smartphones, question remains, good or bad technology? And one final one that is the big thing, that is the internet. 
And when the internet started in the mid-90s, um, there was a hope that there is a democratic medium for everyone so that we create a certain amount of equalness amongst all humans to give all humans equal access to information, to services, to other people, to communication. And that, that was the big hope. And uh, the, the early ideas of the Internet were all about, yeah, this, this equalness, this democratic approach for, <coughs> for uh, everyone. Today... We are having a few mega companies that control the vast majority of this network. They control it, they use algorithm, um, they suck my data, um, they enslave us as suppliers of information and, and data. So that, that is not definitely not the original idea of the Internet. So the negative sides, we all know them. There is a lot of trash there, fake news hate speech, lies, so that we can talk about anti-social media in the Internet. And, um, yeah, we can observe uh, nude people passing on their genes uh, very often, which is also... Yeah, and, and then we have created something like this, this free culture or cheap culture. So everything, every service is free on the Internet and, and you can get it here. And uh, we're not used to paying money for this not being aware that we pay with something else. So whenever there is a free service, be sure you are not a client, you're a product. Your data is used for something you don't want it to be used whenever there is a free service. Be aware of it. The positive side, it's also obvious. We can communicate, we can exchange, we can network. So the world became a village through the internet. I can immediately exchange with someone on the other side of the globe. And that is the positive thing. Knowledge is, is omnipresent in the Internet. You can use online libraries. You can use encyclopedias. You can take educational courses, online courses. I mean, education, um, improving your skills, suddenly becomes available for almost everyone. So you do not need to travel to a school or a university. The Internet allows you to learn, to improve yourself, to get a chance to improve your job, your value, uh, and, and uh, to improve your wealth by this online education. There are tons of different things available. And if you just go to uh, 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 YouTube and, and watch videos there or Skillshare, um, there's a lot you can learn on the internet and, and uh, yeah, create your own wealth with that. So internet, again, same question like with all the other technologies, a good thing or bad thing? Not a clear answer. It depends what we make out of it. It is always how we deal with it. It's always how we deal with technology, how we handle technology, what we do it with it, what we do with it, when and where. That, that is making technology good or bad. It's making it junk or value. Our action, our decision, our thinking define the value of technology. And that's the good news and that's the bad news at the same time. It is in our hands. It is in your hands. We can make the change 
we can drive thought and action forward by taking action, by doing things. We can surrender. We can, we can abandon the catches of big tech, of product manufacturers and service providers. We as individuals, we as a society and we as humanity have it in our hands. This is the last episode of the Human Technology Podcast before I make a summer break. I will continue. Uh, this one was recorded uh, mid-August. I will continue in October, beginning of October, mid of October, with the next episodes. I have in uh, September my lectureship of my assistant professorship uh, of, of the university at Aachen in Germany. So that blocks a week because it's a, it's a block lecture. And then, to be honest, guys and girls, um, I'll be taking two weeks uh, vacation in September. I will collect ideas. I will recharge my batteries and be back then in October. So, um, holiday wishes for everyone that have not yet been on summer vacation. I wish you a great time. Recharge. Get back. Find your um, area, your middle area. Find your inner best focused. And for those that already had summer vacation, I hope that you were able to regain energy and be back on your jobs. That's it for today. Thank you for spending time with me. I hope you were able to take something with you and do something for yourself that will be forever. For an unknown exchange, you will find me on LinkedIn and on my websites peter-rusker.com and beyond-hmi.de Write me an email on the podcast at beyond-hmi.de Tune in next time, take care and stay healthy.